It's certainly a privilege of delightful measure that God has blessed each of us so richly today to permit us this lovely Lord's Day morning to gather for the express purpose of honoring, reverencing Him and His will, and certainly the sacrifice that His Son made for each and every one of us. As we assemble at the Pippin Congregation, as Brother Ted mentioned earlier, we're always so thankful for our membership and our visitors alike. Perhaps you and I can begin our period of study by reflecting for a moment on Psalm 139. We notice in verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That plea is certainly a rich and profound one. And I'd like to invite us to perhaps embody it as we think about the text that Brother Jonathan read a moment ago. Drawn from the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to John, that'll be the very text of our particular lesson this morning. Some particular thoughts that lead us to a lesson entitled, One Door, One Fold, and One Shepherd. In the midst of the Lord's teaching ministry, so often He brought lessons and matters before those before whom He spoke. And those lessons, in fact, touched a singularity, a purpose, a, uni a uniqueness that truly was remarkable. And today, you and I still hold up high the banner of that uniqueness. You might well recall that the very midst of this particular set of passages will be these thoughts. The book of John, as we noted last Lord's Day morning, among its other uniquenesses, it has within it several rather famous I am statements in which the Lord would comment that I am. You might remember in chapter 6 verse 48, I am the bread of life. Later in chapter 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14 verse 6, likely the most famous, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One could to that add some others, and today you and I will look at several of them in the lesson. The Lord said, I am the door. He also affirmed, I am the shepherd. As we reflect and think a bit about the statements that Jesus made on that occasion, we'll use that as the platform on which to build our lesson this morning. I would suggest we do that by reflecting on the text itself at the beginning and then seeking to look with some care at the nature of what Jesus said, the impetus that those of that day took from it, and that which you and I, of course, can utilize with such power even today. At this point, as you'll notice in this 10th chapter of this book according to John, perhaps we can well begin by appreciating the thoroughness and the completeness of these lists as you and I have seen them. Verse number 1 of John chapter 10 begins seemingly in a very innocent way. The Lord begins by saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Almost immediately, you and I can visualize the circumstance which Jesus mentioned. In fact, in a moment, we'll notice with some care the backdrop of that, of that presentation. It does follow immediately upon the statements of chapter 9. And therefore, to highlight the greatness of this chapter 10, it would do us well to think a little bit about what just preceded that verse. I would ask you to think of it perhaps like this. Almost immediately in this verse and those that follow, we find mention of sheep, we find a mention of a fold in which those sheep find some means of protection and security. 
I thought it'd be wise to at least remark a moment. Isn't it frequent in the Word of God that reference is made to sheep? References made to that animal that you and I can easily visualize and picture. And we even know something about the behavior and the characteristics of that animal. I would invite you to think of it like this. It certainly isn't the first time we've encountered it. In that famous Psalm 23, you may remember that even there, David, in that passage that you and I so often find comfort and solace and serenity found within... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those are the first, the only six verses of Psalm 23. You'll notice, though, that in that the statement was made, The Lord is my shepherd. The picturesque, vivid, dramatic presentation that you and I can be imagined as sheep, following the shepherd who, with such care and love, leads to the places that are good and noble and right. You'll also notice beyond that, we find the backdrop of some other passages as well. There is Psalm chapter 100, verse number 3. In the 100th Psalm, we again find a statement that seems so very pressing and so very touching. Know ye the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us and not ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Isn't that lovely? You and I, again, able to portray and to represent easily the commentary relationship of you and me to a sheep. I'd like to ask you, with those thoughts in mind and the character of John 9, to think about what just preceded this. If you look back to the ninth chapter of the book of John, you find that what had just led to this description in, t in chapter 10 by Jesus with some statements that I've tried to highlight like this. You might remember that a man born blind was such that he occupied the, the scenario of chapter number 9. In fact, as Jesus passed by a particular city, there was this man born blind. The Lord proceeded to heal this man. You may remember he spat on the ground, made some spittle, anointed the man's eyes with it, said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He did, and he was made perfectly whole in terms of his sight. At that point, a great stir, a ruckus developed because the Pharisees and others were very agitated by what the Lord had done because this happened on the Sabbath. It was on Saturday this man happened to be healed. The priests and the other nobility of those Pharisees were of the position that that was a clear violation of the law of Moses. In fact, some of them in verses 15 and following of John chapter 9 even were quick to say, this man is not of God because he violated the Sabbath. They drew an immediate conclusion with respecting Jesus. You may remember though in the latter verses of John chapter 9, this man was brought for interrogation before the Pharisees. 
Even his parents were called to give an answer. When all was said and done, Jesus again met with that man whom he had healed, and Jesus declared that he was the Messiah. He declared to be the one sent from God, and he declared that as he well knew that he had the message that all needed to hear. Maybe in light of that, look at the message that Jesus then had to share. There were some religious teachers of that present day that did not do what they should have done. They led the people astray. They built characteristics and doctrines upon human opinion. And they declared what humans thought relative and as opposed to what God had declared. Many of the Pharisees fell in that number. And so too, by the way, did Sadducees and others. There were many who had erred from the strictness and the directness of what God had portrayed because they substituted for what God said what they thought. As you turn the page over to John chapter 10, you now find Jesus saying in verse number 1, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way is a thief and robber. We now see that what the Lord had just described about false teaching and those who would lead their adherents astray, Jesus said, There is but one door, and I am the door. There is but one sheepfold, and it is the one over which I reign and rule as supremacy, and it is the very one in which truth and comfort and direction and peacefulness are found. The sweetness of the Lord's declaration maybe brings you to some of the final thoughts upon that slide. Jesus describes these very matters you and I have just noted by virtue of sheep. It's at this point maybe we can make this statement. Many of you probably have kept sheep or you know someone who does. A sheep is a very unique animal in the sense that it's a very trusting animal with regard to its master. Whoever its master is, it will follow that master wherever the master wants to lead it, whether it be into safety or whether it be into danger, whether it be into a place of comfort and provision or whether it be in a derelict place of want and needfulness. A sheep has that much confidence in its leader. This past summer, when we were holding a gospel meeting over in White County, one of the members of that congregation, in fact, has a flock of sheep. And he commented with such directness that one of the first things you learn as you keep sheep is this very truth. They are a very docile animal, incredibly submissive, and they will follow that leader wherever the leader wants to take them. In John chapter 9, there were leaders that were able to lead the people into bad places leading them into conclusions and directions that were opposed to that which was the truth of God. But in chapter 10, we now find there is a shepherd, a leader, who has the intensity and care of the sheep at his heart and mind, and he will lead only in the place where the sheep find pasture and where they can go in and out and find the provision that's so needful. It may well be in light of that, we can look at the following set of ideas. You'll notice chapter 10, verse 1, again, identifies, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Jesus makes reference to a sheepfold. I thought that you and I might give an immediate appreciation to what may well have been an ancient version of a sheepfold. 
Today, you and I might think of a barn or some other rather noteworthy provision for them. But as near as I was able to tell from research, many of the ancient sheepfolds were of a variety not at least unlike this. You notice here was one in which you see a rock sculpture that in fact set forth a particular area and you might immediately notice there was one door and only one. And it was at that door that the shepherd would in fact often sleep during the night. He would in fact stretch himself across it so that anything that would get to the sheep would have to go through him or over him first. He ultimately would present his life, in essence, as a matter of safeguard and safekeeping for those sheep. You'll also notice, now this one was a version that again had a rock enclosure, a rock wall. Others I was able to find by way of description were not always rock. Sometimes those shepherds, as they erected a particular sheepfold, sometimes would make use of whatever was available, and sometimes that was thorny posts. They would erect basically a wooden enclosure, but it would be encumbered with thorns so that, again, anything that would be tempted to try to jump over or cross it would find a very damaging and difficult attempt. Jesus said in verse number 1, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Notice again, but one door, and thus anyone that would have access to the sheep would have to come by virtue, at least rightly, of that single door. As we go back one slide to the previous one we had looked at, the one that we had jumped over a moment ago, we find these additional descriptions found in the words of our Master. Verse number 2 proceeds like this, But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and, his, and the sheep follow him, for they know his name, or they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Let's pause there for a moment and add into our understanding one additional element. You may have noted in verses 3 through 6 that Jesus additionally said something about sheep recognizing the voice of their master and following only him. I found additional references and descriptions in which sometimes in centralized locations there would be a larger sheepfold than the one we had just looked at a moment ago. And several shepherds would put their individual flocks in that particular fold. It is to that idea, it seems, that the Lord had immediate reflection and reference here. Think about what a confusing mass that might be. Several individual sheep flocks in one fold, and when it came time to take them to pasture, the Lord indicated that a particular shepherd would appear, his sheep would recognize his voice, and they would follow him. One particular reference I found where a visitor to the Bible lands witnessed this very event. There were several flocks in a place, and the shepherds showed up one by one, and each one would call for his sheep. Those that were his would meander out the door, as that visitor made that statement, he ultimately saw several flocks going in different directions all at the same time following their unique and only shepherd. Verse 
that again indicates perhaps what the Lord had in mind. It again says in verse number 5, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. As you and I just noted in the reading, those that heard this were a bit confused. They didn't understand it according to verses 5 and 6. It is in that regard that Jesus made this statement in verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now we find the deep spiritual truth behind all of this. The Lord wasn't just giving a dissertation on sheep keeping, was He? We understand well that that's easy to visualize, but now the impetus and the thrust comes not only to they of that day, but to you and me as well. Jesus said, in regard to that one door, and in regard to that fold to which we noted, He first describes, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The Lord Jesus Christ, He identified easily in that simple English sentence, I am the door. He is the one and only exclusive pathway and thoroughfare that leads, of course, into everlasting life, to salvation as it's described here. No wonder in light of a thought like that one, these thoughts here lead us to picture you and me in the midst of all of this. Let's go forward past those two pictures again. That picture I additionally thought I'd show you in passing to highlight some of the difficulties sometimes surrounding the formation of some of those sheepfolds by those ancient shepherds. Here he found a cave basically where he erected one rather small entrance with some rocks in order that he again might watch carefully over anything that might enter into where the sheep were. As you think about that picture or the one before, you and I as followers of God, these sheep, how careful and how important it is to observe the one door. Although the human family would prefer many doors and the human family would have a desire and a preference to meet each and every person's own individual taste, the Lord forevermore asserted that there is one and only one door. And in verse number 9, again, He told us who, what it is. It's Him. I am the door. All of the features and the elements of humanity that have tried throughout seemingly there's so many centuries to find their own pathway and their own way, each one is bound to failure. When it comes to arriving at those golden portals of salvation in heaven, there is but one door. There is only one. It doesn't matter what part of the world one might be in. It doesn't matter what other features of culture or society there may be. There is but one door. On the inside is salvation. On the outside is destruction and doom and separation from God. This one door. Jesus highlighted with remarkable simplicity. He goes on to say in verse number 10, "...the thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy." I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We did notice earlier in verse 7, he said that those who enter in and out that door shall be led to pasture, to provision. After all, for a sheep, that is of keen significance, isn't it? 
A sheep needs pasture and it needs water. Of course, a timely shepherd will know very well where to find both and will lead his flock where that can be accessed and obtained. You and I see Jesus declared He's the door. He knows exactly how to lead you and I in life to that which is the provision for here, but more significantly, the grander provision for the hereafter. Any other door is associated with thieves and robbers. Any other door is associated with what brings harm and destruction. Religiously, but one door. Isn't it then a tragedy when men... Sometimes those who consider themselves noteworthy scholars or otherwise will lead individuals into that which is not the door of God, that which is not the provision of the Master. How sweet it is when you and I see pictures of some artist having drawn Jesus as the shepherd of the sheep. When you and I reflect on passages like this one, this is the backdrop by and large where that kind of a picture is found. Jesus said, I am the door. In chapter 9 of John, those false teachers were asserting what wasn't proper. Standing opposed to that, the sweet truth of Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts 4 verse 12, not long after the very establishment of the church, the apostle Peter in boldness was able to say, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. As Paul preached to the Thessalonian brethren, writing those letters of the Thessalonians, we remember the uniqueness with which he attached to that character of the fold of God. May we suggest, at least in passing relative to that, when Jesus stated that I am the door... He is the one and only entrance into that which correlates to eternal life. Now again, the human family doesn't like that kind of exclusive message. We prefer, if you please, plurality. Give me what I want, the way I want it, when I want it. The Lord isn't too interested in matters like that. He's interested in the truth that, of course, associates to your salvation and mine. I am the door. At this point, let us look furthermore at what else he said. You'll notice he also stated this in verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So far our interest has often been attached to the nature of the door, the uniqueness and the oneness of that door. But now in verse number 11, the imagery shifts and he says, I'm not the door, I'm the shepherd. There certainly is no contradiction here at all. In fact, as we later see in verses 15 and following, as the Lord explains all of this with elaboration, but for the time being, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. Think back with me a moment ago to what the shepherd does. He leads the flock into this sheepfold, and you'll notice that he makes provision of the sheepfold if he needs to construct it. Of course he did. But notice again verse number 11's wording. The King James Version reads it like this. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In the original language, the actual verb would seemingly suggest that the Lord really said the good shepherd 
lays down his life or sacrifices his life for the sheep. Remember with me that at that one door, it wasn't at all unusual for that shepherd to lie down there and gain a bit of rest for himself, but doing so in such a way that whatever leaped or crawled or moved past him would, of course, be the only way to get to the sheep. Immediately, you and I think about what happened at the cross. We think about the fact, did not Jesus lay down His life for every one of us? He carried not His sins to the cross, for He didn't have any, Hebrews 4.15 tells us. But rather, He laid down His life that you and I might ultimately find pasture, find salvation, find the thoroughfare that leads to heaven. You'll also notice that I am the good shepherd. Of course, a good shepherd would in fact give his life for the sheep. He would in fact sacrifice himself safety for them. But of course, thieves and robbers don't behave that way. Verse number 12 says, But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. So if you had no vested interest in the sheep, you would in fact regard your own safety as more valuable than theirs, and if you see the wolf, you'd flee for your own safety. Jesus said that's characteristic of a hired shepherd, one who doesn't regard the sheep as significant and important, and who's not willing to sacrifice for them. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. No wonder He went on to say in verse number 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus did lay down His life for the sheep, and all the Christians before whom I speak today are testimony of that truth 20 centuries later. It is, in fact, by virtue of that sacrifice, and by virtue of His blood, you and I can enjoy remission, forgiveness of sins, Hebrews 9.22, and therefore enjoy the harmonious and sweet membership in the family of God. It may well be in light of that we come to the last element of the lesson this morning. One door, one shepherd. What about the one fold? As we come to the last element of this particular slide, the last portion of our time together today in this regard, verse number 16 is the last one that Brother Jonathan read. In that verse it says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Just as surely as there was only one door, and just as surely as there's only one shepherd, the Lord Himself with His own lips affirmed there is one fold. You might notice the language again of verse 16 that highlights an impressive truth as it touches that subject. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. This fold. And then the Lord went on to identify the oneness, the uniqueness of the great fold to which He referred. As we you and I put all of that together, let's go back and make use of that concept of name that the Lord mentioned twice. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them by name. Some of those other comments the researchers identified that I was able to, to appreciate. 
they identify that sometimes those shepherds were so close and so familiar with and so attached to those sheep, they would name each of them a particular name and name them one by one. Maybe you and I aren't too difficult to find ourselves understanding of that point. My grandparents had names for every cow they had. And those cows knew their name. Each one knew the correct order. When it was time to be milked, she was one, one waiting at the door. These sheep also knew their name. They understood what the shepherd had given them by recognition of identification. You'll notice in verse number 14 and 15 again, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. They knew him and he knew them. It is with that in mind, might I ask you to appreciate that the other sheep to which Jesus referred here are the Gentiles, which at that time hadn't been welcomed in in all the fullness of the ways. That was going to occur later. On the day of Pentecost, those Jews had the privilege of initial entrance into the kingdom. They were the ones to whom on that day of Pentecost being gathered in Jerusalem when the blessed message of God's salvation through Christ was first preached. However, eight chapters later, Cornelius and his household, Gentiles were granted the same blessing. And shortly thereafter, the decree that all had the same plan of salvation, Acts 15, 9, and that every one, of course, was now part of the singular fold of God. This fold is the church. And as the Lord Himself makes reference to the fact there's but one fold... We appreciate then the uniqueness and correspondence to the one door and to the one shepherd. Look at some of these comments as you appreciate. Jesus said the sheep comprise one fold, not many folds. And so as you and I think about the grandeur and the exquisiteness of this one fold, we notice we follow but one shepherd and there was one way into it. Shame on any man anywhere that would think that there's multiple doors into the church, that there's multiple entrance pathways into the blessed fold of God, there isn't. It's only by virtue of the Lord and that plan that He set forth. No wonder we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we're baptized into the one church. Baptism is the only entrance into it, predicated, as Jesus told Nicodemus, man must be born of the water and the Spirit. Jesus Himself, critical parts of both elements made mention of on that occasion. Notice that Jesus Himself is the one that promised and affirmed relative to baptism the water part. And He's the one that also promised that I'll send the Comforter of the Spirit after I send back to the Father. John chapter 16 tells us. No wonder in light of those things that when Jesus affirmed that He is the shepherd and the door and that there's one fold... Today, how honorable is it to, for you and me to be a member of that one fold? One fold, not many, not even two. There is but one. The uniqueness and the singularity of that fold takes us to Paul's famous description of Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body. That was Paul's statement. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. As we near the conclusion of the lesson this morning, a thought taken from John chapter 10 on the one door, 
the one shepherd, and the one fold. It highlights, among other things, just how rich Christianity is. We have a singular uniqueness to follow. There aren't many things to it. And yet, as you and I ask ourselves that question, how about yourself and myself today? Are you a member of this fold? If you're on the outside, you're not in a position of safety. You're not in a position of salvation. You're not in a position of association and linkage to the God of heaven. You need to be. You need to enter through the door. You need to enter through the door into the fold. If today you haven't attended to that plan of salvation, why do you delay? If you have reached a point in life of knowing wrong from right, and you know that encumbered in sin you're lost, and you know that Jesus died for you, why not? Make today that set of statements be reality in your life so that you can be as you need to be. That plan of salvation demands that you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, repent of your sins, confess His name as the Son of God to be baptized. And if we could assist you in those ways today, we'd be happy to do it. If you at one time have known faithfulness and membership in the onefold, but you have stepped outside the door and currently that's where you reside... You know what danger that brings. After all, you're open prey for the wolf and anything else that there may be outside the door. Why not come back in the door today? Now, it may not be you need to be rebaptized, but the Bible does command that if there are sins known publicly, ask for the prayers of brethren with respect to them, make that repentance confession known, and we'd be happy to help you in that way too. If today we could be of assistance to anyone in that way, would you please come through the one door to the shepherd and be a member of the fold? And if we could help you do that, why not come while together we stand and sing?